0: Welcome to another episode of In the Deep of Deer. Sit down. Didn't even look me in the eye, and I kind of was like,
1: "Whoa, that's how that it's gonna be." So this is on Christmas Day. I couldn't believe. Oh I was like, "Whoa!"
0: Today's episode, I'm joined with
1: Pamela Anderson when she was on Baywatch. Yeah, when you're looking for a big, fighting dog
0: advice for entrepreneurs if you go into business or if you start a business chasing the money
1: and you can't do it once but like people think they're going to sit down and think about the role of attraction i've got the guys to lose over 100 store
0: i went over to head i give him a couple and i said look you brilliant you can the guitar you're doing a And words to me that always stick to me to do you really think i'm good Try
1: again. Welcome to the In the Deep with Dave podcast. Being a successful entrepreneur, Dave discusses with guests their motivation, mindset, and their meaning of success.
0: So, Richard, thanks for coming on the podcast. Super excited to have you on. Um, just for the listeners who maybe don't know who you are, and I'm going to do some good video
1: introductions, um, can you just uh, explain a little about your background? Yeah, so my name's uh, Richard Browning. I am the founder and chief test pilot from Gravity, and we build and fly thousand uh, horsepower jet suits. Which, uh, if people haven't seen, although it's quite hard to find people who haven't haven't had their news feeds in some ways polluted by our activity, especially in the last few months, um, they are essentially uh, jet engine powered flying suits. You have a couple of little engines on each arm, one around the back, and it allows you uh, to uh, fly in a, in a way that a lot of people. Uh, Liken to some kind of superhero, although that was not why I built them. But anyway, it's quite flattering in some ways. Yeah, it's. Um,
0: I think Iron Man springs to mind when you look at the the guys mm. yourself flying in the suits. It's uh, it's pretty fantastic to watch. Where did where did this whole idea and, and the,
1: the, the jet suit come from? So my whole family background was from the world of a- aviation and uh, engineering. Really. Um, one uh, grandfather was a, uh, a wartime pilot and civil pilot after that. The other one was Sir Basil Blackhall, who used to run Westland helicopters. It's now Leonardo. Uh, and my late father was an aeronautical engineer, a maverick inventor and designer. So, yeah, it's kind of in the blood, although I spent 16 years uh, in the oil industry as an oil trader in the City of London. Uh, alongside of that, I spent about uh, six years as a Royal Marines reservist. Um, as well uh, which is this kind of important part of the journey because it taught me a lot about human capability you know the military are pretty good at at, um, dragging you kicking and screaming to a place mentally and physically they didn't know you could get to Uh, and if you roll the clock forward to 2016 as the latest in a long succession of unusual sort of personal challenges I hatched this idea of could you reimagine human flight by adding just the right amount of technology to the sort of brain and body use your brain as the balancing machine and your body as the flight structure and see if you could fly in that way no real logical reason at all i just thought it would be a fun challenge and um uh yeah and it's just sort of taken off in every sense since then and did you kind of
0: did you did your family think you were mad when you said look i'm going to create a suit and i'm going to start flying how did that go down at home i can imagine
1: yeah, my wife's pretty used to me having unusual sort of uh, challenges. I mean, you know, joining the Marines Reserves alongside my day job is a good example of that. And we've done lots of other, you know, I used to do ultra marathons and lots of calisthenics training and all sorts of canoe expeditions, even with the young kids when they came along. Um, uh, so yeah, it was the latest in a long succession of unusual ideas, really. Uh, but yes, I, I think they did wonder a little bit about my sanity, you know, dragging them to a, kind of cold, wet, windy farmyard, uh, you know, a few miles from here to go and test the latest iteration of this concept um, when I had no idea if it would even ever work. And for about eight months, it really didn't, you know, in evenings and weekends and extremely late nights, you know, I was beavering away, trying multiple iterations of this. You can see all this on the you know, YouTube channel at Gravity Industries. You can see lots of the background there. And it just, um, yeah, it was, it was a test in in my own personal kind of, Belief in this, um, but my family's great, yeah, my kids and my and my wife you know never really kind of wavered in their belief in that I must be trying to get to somewhere, um, but yeah, it was very gratifying to actually have them then witness in the last few years this really kind of i suppose scale pretty magnificently all over the world
0: yeah where do you where do you kind of see? the suit and the idea what you've got now and, and everything working. Where do you see it going? Because I've seen a lot with the um, search and rescue on um, in the mountains, things like that. Is, is that kind of, do you see also adapting that as, as, as part of the search and rescue? Where do
1: you see it going? Yeah, so um, having, having built it and got it to work in its most rudimentary form in November 2016, we then planned to launch it as a company in April 2017 Uh, did so with Wired and Red Bull as two brands that kind of helped enjoy the launch. You know, we didn't, no one paid anybody anything, but it was just a fun collaboration thing to do. Um, It went kind of crazy even back then. And uh, we ended up with, you know, huge media outreach and Chris Anderson from TED phoned up and said, uh, come and do a talk in Vancouver and fly there. And uh, I thought that was a pretty awesome challenge. So we did that. And um, at the same time went to um, Uh, Got on a plane went to San Francisco to see the Drapers. They turned out to be a famous VC family But I didn't really I didn't really know at the time I just thought it was a good test location before Ted uh, Flew in their parking lot raised six hundred forty thousand dollars That's about half a million pounds in their, in their parking lot as a result of that flight Literally while the engines are still cooling that was an unusual day (laughs) Um, And since the Ted thing which went really well, uh, we've done 108 events in 31 countries. So actually sort of accidentally the purpose became to entertain and enthrall crowds around the world whether it was yeah. elon musk's group you know uh some of his folks uh jeff bezos you know uh mark zuckerberg you know a- any number of uh, you know interesting high profile events and public events all over the world that also allowed me to test the equipment with the team as well i sort of grew a team off the back of this At the same time, and we managed to test the equipment everywhere from Johannesburg to West Coast Australia to Dubai, India, the mountains of Arizona you kind of name it, we've been there. So, all of that also, apart from earning money, also had the effect of generating quite a lot of media and social media kind of passion for what we're doing, which also then generated a lot of interest in people wanting to learn how to do this. So, we've trained over 70 clients in LA and um, the UK. We've got a great new training rig in uh, Goodwood. Uh, you know, the home of the Festival of Speed. Uh, there's, again, there's a film there in, on YouTube about showing what we've got set up there. Um, and uh, and and so so in addition to that, we got other sort of brands and TV stuff. And so all of this sort of organically grew up around what we do. So when you stop and think, what is the purpose of a Formula One car? It doesn't do anything practically at all. It just entertains, inspires, and is a sort of advertising platform if you want to be crude about it. So in a weird kind of way, We've fallen into a baby version of that. Um, now then, COVID comes along. That stuff's international events for sure. But in return, we've you know grown hugely our social media. We actually make you know good money out of the amount of traffic we get on our on our YouTube channel, which is crazy. Uh, even ludicrous things like TikTok. Um, I'm 41, so I don't know what I'm doing on TikTok. <laughs> but, um, but actually, I you know all credit I think to ourselves for embracing a new platform that turns out to be you know ignoring all the politics of it. Turns out to be rapidly growing and very lucrative for us. We make really good money out of that. Who would have thought? Um, So anyway, those are all the sort of entertainment areas and and training clients, which all you know all shouldn't be sniffed out. That's generated really good money. But yes, coming right back to what you said just when you asked the question, uh, search and rescue, and in particular military, is a very big area for us. So if you want to move special forces or medical response people over any terrain over a few miles instantly from green light. Um, to land pretty much on any any square foot of the planet, um, immediately use their hands while the engines are stowed, but still idling, and then be able to self-extract again. I don't think there's anything that can touch what we can do. We've now done over a dozen different military and search and rescue exercises around the world that, frankly, have impressed me, because I I like turning up to these places not really sure of what we can do, hearing their requirements, and then think, well, I reckon we can do that, and then go and slightly surprise surprise ourselves with what we can do, so... That, that will be a big growth area. But all of this is, is a mechanism by which we can ex- accelerate the evolution of the technology. The suit's kind of in a bit of a mess behind me uh, here as we talk. Uh, I'm doing some work on them, so they're all sort of leaning over, not looking very pretty. But um, those are the Mark II suits, which we've flown all over the world. The Mark III is sitting the other side of the camera, which is a huge leap in, in capability. Uh, it lifts more, starts quicker, more robust easier to fly more comfortable carries more fuel flies further (laughs) a ridiculous list of things and yet i'm able to say all those things from having actually flown it it's not a pipe dream it actually works and it's an enormous leap so i'm really excited where we can go having opened the door onto this sort of ludicrous new way of moving humans around i'm really excited where it can eventually end up and who knows really and and who
0: do you kind of bring in to help you move the technology forward have you had to re- to go out and recruit is it something you do yourself within your own team do people now haven't seen the suit bring ideas in and say actually i've got an idea for this suit and and then come and bring business to
1: you how does it work yeah all of that really um yeah so i've got a, a tight little team of about eight nine people or so and a wider team of almost 30 around the world who sort of volunteer they're all crazy things like ex-jet fighter pilots and head of, you know, um, I don't know, stealth development programs and all sorts of mad things all over the world, that they all reach out to us and we get about 100 a day reaching out through various platforms, kind of seemingly inspired by what we've done and then desperate to get involved. And uh, it's really quite humbling. Um, Not only is that a great way of sourcing really interesting ideas from all over the place. And I love that. I love it when somebody from a background, I don't know, in fashion comes along and says, well, I know, what about X for this problem? And, you know, I admit most of the time the ideas aren't, aren't, aren't uh don't go anywhere and often their physics assumption is maybe a little bit poor sometimes yeah. and uh and often they're things we've already tried but every now and then there is a little gem of something where i'll go oh my goodness i've never thought of that we should try that um so i i, I really enjoy that part of our journey of what we do but um yeah we we tend to where possible when uh people especially during covid are anywhere near our base here in in the uk um in fact i've got a guy coming over tomorrow who i've never really met um who's going to just help out he's not far enough away and not from a covidly covidly tricky area and it's all outside so it's all fine um but you know quite some constraints nowadays um but you know what he's going to hang out and be able to just provide a, a helpful pair of hands um for um some tr- some filming we're doing with the brand and you know what might just prove himself to be useful if he can use a zip tie and come up with some interesting ideas isn't afraid to get his hands dirty and be smart with interesting ideas then could well have a place in the team so it's a very open flexible uh kind of interesting way we work
0: yeah how frustrating has COVID been do you think it's do you think it's stopped you growing slightly or just do you think the growth has has kept on rolling for yourself throughout COVID? And just before I answer that, I'm just going to change my 3D printer over here, which
1: has just finished printing something. Um, <laughs> one second. Uh, it'll start making a funny noise again in a minute, but it's got 15 hours to do this next job. There we go. Uh, so it might as well crack on. There you go. That's just come off the 3D printer. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. It's and you, print, do you
0: 3D print all of your parts and all your components?
1: Yeah, we do. Except the machine we've got is like five grand um, and does uh small things that are not needing to be very structural although pretty impressive look how shiny amazing that is crazy and Um, and how does that how um, does that
0: print just for the listeners and the viewers how does how does that little part that you've just shown us there on the camera how does that print
1: um uh, at the end of this i will pick up the camera and i'll show you (laughs) because the machine's got to warm up again so there's lots of different ways that it works um and i was about to say that our machine we do non-structural parts Uh, because it's not the strongest in the world. It's not too bad. But um, uh, the rest of the suit, I mean, here we go. Um, I just happen to have this here. That is one of the arm assemblies. Um, It's actually a dummy, to be honest. They're dummy engines. Um, But that's all polymer, and that's uh, dummy aluminium that will be 3D printed aluminium. Uh, And it's amazing, because you can design any shape you want on a CAD machine, and then just kind of press print, and then out it comes many hours later. But it's an amazing process. I mean, there's another... Crazy. I mean, that's a big oh. prototype piece, but I mean, all that's 3D really printed. So there's two ways it works. The way ours works is it's like squeezing out a toothpaste tube um, of a tiny filament that is built up of, of warm plastic that then goes hard and it builds up a structure. Um, the more fancy way is called SLS, which is where you um, essentially draw a laser picture slice of your object in powder. And as the laser hits the powder, it turns into metal or plastic. And then another layer of powder is, is spread over the top very quickly and then the laser goes again and over many hours you build up this structure inside the powder Um, and it allows you to just as I say produce any kind of structure any shape you want and yeah all of our gear is now three printed so um, it's it's not the cheapest process in the world but it's it's amazingly detailed very sophisticated and allows us to keep changing our minds with the design constantly and where does the knowledge all of
0: your knowledge come from on this I mean how many hours have you spent researching and, and reading and developing
1: to get where you are? Um, uh, no, not, not no, <laughs> uh, I don't know, um, none of that really. Um, I, I mean, I, I grew up around my father in his workshop building things with the bits of aluminium and riveting and bolting and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I still do that for the, with the team for the prototypes. The Mark Three I mentioned is all kind of riveted and bolted aluminium. Um, then in terms of learning about additive, you know, we bought a little 3D printer some years ago, played around with it, taught myself some of the CAD system to, to design and build things um, and just went from there. And now I've got a great team of people who are far more clever than me when it comes to doing the additive design. I've got an electronics guy, you know, an aeronautical engineer. I've got all sorts of people around me. I know enough about what they do in order to steer them and guide them and lead them in what we need to do. Uh, but they go into a degree of detail that I yeah. that beyond me now. Um, but, but yeah, we've got amazing capability, uh, now you asked me also about the COVID impact. So yeah, COVID, I mean, it stopped all our, our events and that was a very lucrative way of us running around the world, generating media interest, followers, uh, great connections and revenue. Uh, but to be honest, after over 130 countries, like I said, I kind of started to, have enough of that (laughs) um so in a way we've been able to crack on with a lot more r d thanks to covid and we've just pivoted into like i say search and rescue military online stuff um yeah and and some more brand work so it's fine i mean um i wouldn't wish wish this on anybody it's having a massive negative impact on the wider world but but our ethos from an engineering perspective is very much one of not being afraid to experiment and trial and and test things um and we're doing the same thing from the commercial point of view and hence my ludicrous tiktok story for instance
0: yeah and i i love that is as, as well because i believe there's there's some plans also uh, as part of like a race team as well like having some racing events is that obviously after covid are you going to launch some races and and
1: and yeah, how do well, you see th- that going. If, if you look at uh, if you look on either TikTok or on Instagram at Take On Gravity, um, you can see I just posted up yesterday. There's a little clip of me chasing down one of my team yeah, uh, when we we're flying around uh, obstacles and stuff. So um, we're, we're still, whenever we get a chance, kind of testing. You know, that was testing some new obstacles and playing around, seeing how close we could get to each other. Um, it's all still ongoing. But you're right in terms of having a big crowd. Crowd-pleasing, great big uh, event. Yeah, this is probably not the time <laughs> to be doing that. Um, but as I said, we're very busy with loads of other things. And when we are, at our, at, you know, able to, to properly roll out the race series publicly, rather than just behind closed doors, we'll be ready to make it even bigger and better than it would have been before.
0: Yeah, it's great that and it, you know the tech, and I suppose it's 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 about adapting your technology to do. So you've got the entertainment perspective, you've got the, the military, and you know the yeah. search and rescue. So you've got it's it's different to a race car because a race car ain't going to help the military or any search and rescue. It's got its one main purpose, hasn't it? And it's
1: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, yes, that's a good, good point, actually. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, there's something, you know, some people, especially in the US and stuff, you know, kind of push me on this point about could, could we all be flying around in jet suits at some point in the next 10 years? I mean, you know, it's very noisy. It does consume quite a bit of fuel and a bit like a Formula One car. If you're not careful with it, you know, it can bite you. Um, and it's fine for me and my pilots and my trained, you know, trained customers, if you like, because we're all, you know, we all, tr- Babel learnt on the tether system and they're all safe, you know, safe and know what to do with it. But, um, you know, I, so it's not really an ideal platform as we st- stand at the moment. as a mainstream form of transport. But then again, the first motor motorcars uh, were not practical oh compared God. to a horse. They were terrible. Um, so, you know, if you see the evolution of battery technology, which would allow our electric ducted fan version, which is part of it is just creeping in shot there um then you know then if you could get anywhere near the energy density of gasoline jet fuel or diesel in battery form for the same weight um then maybe you know then maybe there is some some scope for it but like i say we've got enough going on that i'm not too i don't I don't have any sleepless nights worrying about revolutionizing human transport at the moment
0: and how do you kind of vet if, if I suppose you'll get approached with a lot of people with money, a lot of CEOs, a lot of people with time on the hands. And how do you kind of vet people who come through and say, look, I'd love to come and have a go of this. You know, I've got money. I, I want to pay. How do you, how do you, do you go through any vetting process? Are you happy to train anybody to come and use your machines? And
1: Yeah. Our, our training rig and again, as you can see on YouTube, our training rig is a very safe controlled system. So it's a, uh, it's like a top rope rock climbing belay rope. Uh, on a slightly raised, grated platform, which just helps the, the exhaust not accumulate so much. Um, and you're locked off on this tether. And we start you off in very low power. So they just feel like little, kind of, uh, well, very powerful leaf blowers. So you can't really do too much. And you just start to feel the control and balance. And you can't go, you can't fall over because you're on a tether. You can't go up because you don't have enough power. We have you on a remote kill switch and a remote idle switch um, so we can control the engines. There's not really much you can do to hurt yourself. In fact, the probably most dangerous part of the whole thing is walking up steps to get clipped in on the tether. So, um, you know, if if you are a little bit of a lunatic, then we'll see that pretty quickly and we just won't step you up the power levels too quickly. Um, even if you want to feel like flying, then there's a counterweight system, which will allow you to rise up. And then when the counterweight bottoms out, you can't go any higher. So we control that. We're pretty good at controlling how, the training goes, but for most people, vast majority of people, it, they, they're really sensible. They listen to what we're saying and they progress really quickly. You know, we had um, Bear Grylls over a couple of days ago doing the latest round of training. He's flying around, not on the tether. That was on Instagram as well recently. Um, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be Bear Grylls. My 13 year old son has done pretty good at flight training and we've yeah. had 75, 75 year olds, men and women, doing it as well Um, it's not a big physical endeavor if you listen to our instructions you're really just leaning on the engines you're not trying to muscle them in any way so so yeah it's okay it's fine anybody can come and do it really I mean I I say anybody I have to say if you're an enormous person or maybe an enormous weight Mm -hmm. then it might just be difficult to wear the suit um, and we'll have to do a lot of counterweight action to be able to yeah. offsets the challenge of lifting a head really heavy person there's no politically correct way around weight yeah. when <laughs> it comes to yeah, flying yeah, when, but other than that yeah. other than that no any pretty much anybody can do it
0: has there been many pinch myself moments where you think wow i'm really doing this
1: yeah uh, yeah quite a lot really i mean it's just been a succession of them over about three years in some ways uh, i mean our lab here is just surrounded by stuff on the walls of things that i can't quite believe we've been asked to do i mean flying the main runway, runway at the Farnborough Air Show and the CAA backing us to do it, um, you know, flying around the QE aircraft carrier with my Royal Marines beret on, flying up to the shuttle vessels with all these top brass from the DOD and the Pentagon. Uh, not knowing we were coming and being really surprised. Did they not, what, what was that? I mean, did did you get any feedback on what they thought when when you approached? Yeah, because they all had to disembark. I, after I'd flown around their shuttle ships, they are all coming out to visit the uh, aircraft carrier off the coast of Washington for this big conference. And uh, the Washington, uh, Washington Embassy, the British Embassy in Washington, uh, had in, uh, set this up. And I'd fly out, surprise them, fly away again. Again, this is all over. You know, our social media. Um, and uh, I'd land back on this pontoon at the back of the aircraft carrier and just sort of de and start refueling. And they'd all get off right there. So they all spent ages kind of agog at what they'd just seen. And, you know, it was great because I was just walking around. You unclip in two seconds and walk around. And yeah, it was me just came to see you. Yeah, they couldn't believe it. and I mean, that's led to all sorts of relationships that would have probably taken years of paperwork to end up with, whereas... I mean, I I, I I lost track of all the senior military leaders in the US and I'm not really an expert in their structure, but um, on the UK side, I spent a couple of occasions talking to the first sea lord, you know, the, 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 the senior service leader and, uh, you know, leader of the Royal Navy. Um, and he loved it and he asked me personally to fly out to his shuttle vessel on the next day when he was coming out. So, yeah, I, I can't quite believe we've been allowed to do those sort of things. I mean, asked to do those things. Um, same with our world record, same with opening a baseball stadium in Japan in front of 30,000 people live on TV um, you know launching a massive car launch live across China in China um, you know flying in the most amazing places around the world um, yeah pretty crazy really but but I have to say, The analogy I've drawn upon before, not that I'm a racing driver, I think might be akin to a racing driver where if you ask a racing driver, is it the most exciting, thrilling job in the world? They're probably like, well, yeah, kind of. But when you're doing it, you're really focused. You've got a job to do. You've got a job to do that could go spectacularly wrong and be very embarrassing and probably hurt quite a bit if you get it wrong. Um, So during the time, you're just focused on delivery. (laughs) Um, Afterwards, you can sit down probably by yourself and think, oh, geez that actually went all right. And then enjoy looking at the footage. Weirdly, that's usually the most pre- pre- pleasurable part. And when I used to do these events around the world, it used to be the sitting on the airplane when they say final doors closing. And I know that my suitcases haven't been stopped anywhere because uh, that happened a couple of times. Because um, <laughs> all that gear goes into check-in suitcases, uh, which it's is ridiculous. Really but, but yeah, only in twice in about 200 international flights did we get uh, kind of stopped. And it was only because they they could pick up some odour of the fuel and that was it. There's no real practical reason why they can't be put in suitcases, which is a bit crazy. Um, uh, But when those doors closed, that was the moment where you think, oh my God, I've done it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it all started fine, you know, because a bit like doing TV with children or, you know, children or animals, doing something complicated with technology um, is always a challenge. i I did done lots of live TV now and there's one occasion live on the one show of all things where they had the bright idea of watching me start up live. And, and with the current suit, it takes about 45 seconds, you know, and there was always going to be a chance that one of those engines didn't start right. And there was one that was really flamey. It didn't quite start as I imagined, eventually got there. And it was an agonizing time waiting for the green light to come on to say they're all ready. And then I took off, but you know, I could hear the presenters just not know, not sure what to say or do for about a minute, <laughs> which was a silly, silly agonizing process. But uh, yeah, lots of moments really.
0: Has there been any moments or any work presented with you when you go I'm not doing that this is not what we're about this
1: is oh this is yeah lots, of pretty much every event every filming thing you turn up and then the production team or the organizer or whatever will go right and here you go da, and they'll point yeah. at something horrendous and you'll think oh my god that's just a way of killing yourself really quickly because our ethos is we don't As far as possible, we fly in a manner which we would reluctantly accept falling from. So in other words, you know, the height, you'll notice we don't usually fly hugely high. And it's simply because um, the the, the equipment, by the way, is technically capable of flying hundreds, if not thousands of feet. It is not pushing on the ground. Some people claim that they think it's sort of, you know, somehow weirdly bouncing heat off or pressure off the ground or something. It's really not. Um, uh, It's just simply a, a respect for safety. In the very unlikely scenario, an engine has a problem. You're not high enough for a parachute. You don't want to start relying on all that kind of equipment. Because again, if that yeah. fails, then you're dead again. I like scenarios where should the unlikely failure event occur, you're going to be able to repair yourself eventually. You know, We've all fallen over before and twisted ankles and things like that. But that's it. I, I always say that I think I've hurt myself more cycling, cycle commuting across London for 10 years yeah. than I have flying a jet suit. It doesn't mean I won't hurt myself doing it, but we try to manage that risk. So yeah, the number of times we turned up at events and somebody suggested something ludicrous and dangerous, but nearly always, in fact, I can't really think of an occasion where this hasn't been the case, we will actually like point over the other way and go, actually, did you know we could do that? And then they'll go, oh no, I had no idea. Let's do that then. And then you'll sigh and think, oh, thank God for that. Uh, because there is a temptation, you know, with filmmakers and production people that, to go and do something silly and dangerous, um, you know, uh, and we try and avoid that. Is there any films where you think, is there, has there been any occasions where
0: people have good, like big production films have been in touch and you you just thought, wow, I can't believe
1: we're doing this? Um, not big movies. I mean, we've done stuff with Tom Cruise before. We've done stuff with, um, you know, quite a few other Hollywood people and stuff. But movies are a funny one, right? They not only have a multi-year kind of lead up into starting with a script, getting funding, planning it, yeah. and then starting to shoot it and then, you know, edit it and then get to release it um we're so new that there was there was talk of, of a few films i mean mission impossible and james bond as two examples they've been talked about a lot where we could be the baddie escape mecha- you know baddie or uh, goodie kind of uh you know transport mechanism but i have to say just as those conversations after a few years were sort of coming to the boil then covid has kind of massively curtailed yeah. the film industry so i'm pretty confident it'll happen we've been asked to do lots of smaller films and uh, you know, we, we, when we when we pop our big movie cherry, we're going to do it in a big movie rather than something small and some weird B B B movie zombie thing or something. <laughs> you know, we, I love, we, we, I we tend how to... cool. I love how cool you just
0: play it. Yeah, we've done some stuff with Tom Cruise and you know we've James Bond's been muted. It's just like you know, from your background and you know being in the army, doesn't ever just blow your mind and think, oh, yeah, let's this this is happening or, or do you now yeah. just take everything in your stride and?
1: You have to, you have to really. I mean, it's like, I think, like I say, if you talk to anybody that's kind of ended up, um, I I don't know, you know, the common one is, you know, some breakthrough musician or something, you know, they're they're kind of all saying the same thing, which is like, you know, gosh, it's amazing. The journey's been amazing. But I mean, the the phone call you receive from, you know, um, I don't know, Chris Anderson to do TED, you know, and I've been listening to TED Talks for decades, you know, that is amazing. But then, then it quickly turns into, oh my God, how do I go and actually execute that? um and do it you know properly and safely and hope it doesn't all go wrong so then you get consumed by the planning to deliver and then almost by the time it's over you're you're kind of exhausted from the anticipation and it, i don't want to say it but these things often turn into a little bit of an anticlimax. you know you're behind yeah. the scenes at some you know big stadium or something and actually you think well okay i'm really glad that went well on to the next thing Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah i'm sounding very negative and miserable aren't I? I mean it has been a, a, a ridiculous journey um but I suppose I'm guilty of always looking at the next thing in some ways. Um,
0: And that's quite entrepreneurial though, isn't it? That's, that's, you know, my wife says that about me, you know, when, when, when are you ever happy? Like, not that I'm not happy, but when's enough enough? And I'm like, you're onto the next biggest thrill, the next thing, the next growth in business or the next business startup. And I suppose that is in an entrepreneurial creator mindset, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. And I don't think it's the best mental health, kind of strategy no i think my wife's always trying to persuade me to kind of sit back and enjoy some of the successes we've had but i yeah i think we wouldn't be here if i wasn't quite a hungry individual and trying to keep taking on challenges and stuff um you know and i'm afflicted a bit by the childhood you know my my father's background this has been mentioned in the ted talk and some interviews before you know and there's no real escaping it but um you know my father was an entrepreneur a maverick inventor and designer and creator you know and he unfortunately um his business just gradually didn't succeed like most businesses frankly don't um uh and you know he left a lot of unfulfilled ambition i mean it cost him his life really um and Mm -hmm. i um, am self-admittedly on a bit of a journey i think with everything i've done whether it's oil trading or this or the marines on a bit of a journey where i like to see a challenge and then think if i can only get that challenge over the line um i'll make good on that unfulfilled ambition that i sort of grew up around you know that's a bit of self-analytics um I yeah. think there's some of that going on in my head. It's not a bad thing. You can you can be you can be left with worse scars, and it's got me to a pretty interesting place. But I have had to learn to try and sit back every now and then, enjoy the success of where we've got to. Um, you know, having two kids. You know, my boys are 12, 13 now. That that's a that's great. You know, and I think if I didn't have a family, I think I'd spend the whole time probably where you're filming me now <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. development lab. I'd have a constant supply of food delivered, and I think I. <laughs> would just, I'd probably be a couple of years ahead of where I am. Yeah, but I would be probably mentally not as sound as maybe I think I hope I am. <laughs> and and how do you stay?
0: This is the biggest thing in business and business owners and and when I talk to and, you know, we had a, a the owner of Derby County Football Club on here and he, he you know took Derby to the Premier League in his first season and he sold a previous business within within one week he was he was wanting to commit suicide. His mental health just wasn't anywhere. You know where he needed to be and that's a very much a trait of a lot of entrepreneurs and their yeah. mental health. How do you keep mentally strong and what keeps you you know in check
1: if you like within your mental health um family's a big one I think, but also running to be honest um, yeah uh, i uh, you know i I've, I've always since I was uh university really not really at school I hated being told what it was being told what to do was the killer. Um, as soon as no one was telling me to go for a run or telling me to do any training, I suddenly got really interest, interested in it. And then that rolled into the Marines and whatever. But um, and I got into ultra marathons. I've run over a hundred mile races before and stuff. Um, running, I find is just the best thing. And, and you know, anybody listening to this, whether they run or not, even just getting out and getting that brisk, fresh air walk type brain cleansing process, fitness and nothing even that hardcore is such a critical thing to keeping your brain clear. You know, I was even running with one of my boys last night and just talking to him about how, you know, it's such a great life skill to be able to just, wait, especially when you get a bit bogged down with something, get out, go for a run, listen to music, enjoy just listening to the birds, come back, feel a bit, you know, tired. And it's amazing how your brain does some reorganization. There's a lot of science now on the chemicals that get released and the bad chemicals that get removed and stuff from going from doing some exercise. I think that's the, one of the biggest single things. I used to travel all the time. For these events you know for the last two years with another support person and sometimes there's several of us flying but um my main thing i'd always make sure i packed was my trainers
0: <laughs> yeah yeah to get out running every day yeah do, do you almost yeah. fit, use that as like kind of meditation is that your kind of meditation if you like when you're out
1: there running? um hang on a minute i'm just gonna uh hang on oh no yeah. Hello, sorry, somebody yeah, just yeah, tried to call me, and I've just no, got. No, oh, is it? Hang on, are we now not on speaker? Why is it? Hang on, it's no, no, taking you off speaker. There we go. Right, I'm back.
0: So yeah, some people get into meditation. Is that what you class as your meditation? That kind of oh, running yeah. that that clear your mindset and and just hit the yeah. road.
1: Running meditation for people with uh, no uh, concentration. <laughs> <laughs> love
0: that I love that so what's the plan where where's where's the business where you're going in the next kind of two or
1: three years? yeah I mean uh, uh, it, it's made more difficult by COVID because none of us know what the hell's happening to the world in the next no, six months let alone uh, anything else however um to answer your question kind of properly so the race series is still there we are going to grow that and come what may and I've always said it is so fun racing other pilots around a water course chasing around it is so fun we're going to do it anyway whether it turns into something people want to watch or not I don't really care So far, the evidence is people love watching it, but um, it's cool. Um, There is, you know, training more people. We are building an electric tether system as well, so you can learn to fly this with the electric system on a with a low voltage running down a power line as well down the tether. So that could be an awful lot cheaper, more accessible way for more people to experience this. I mean, we get fifty people a day, sincerely asking to come and do this. You know, it's six grand plus VAT a day to come and train. There is a cheaper version to to experience it for three goes in a morning. For a couple of grand but that's still a lot of money for most people is, and yeah. you know we just can't justify doing it for less or it just doesn't make sense for us uh but i would be delighted with the electric tether system which can be vastly cheaper that can be more akin to a you know a thought park ride than it can you know a six grand a day thing so um that's coming as well um uh then all the military and search and rescue stuff is really really accelerating and i'm very excited about this new suit we might even do a proper product launch for that you know ala um, you know, Apple or, um, uh, you know, Elon Musk <laughs> yeah, kind of style showing just how amazing it is. I mean, it's going to be properly, in a lot of people's minds, it's going to be properly nudging that superhero kind of capability because it's going to start from cold to be ready to take off in 10 seconds, which is wow. nuts. I mean, that's like you can have a conversation with somebody and before you finish, you can be standing, you know, or you can be hovering in the air or you can be the other side of the river or on the rooftop or wherever. Um, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah and uh what else um doing lots of stem kids kind of stuff as well we're trying to really uh work with a whole bunch of partners we're always interested in partners where we can bring the excitement and um some of the sort of excuse to explain the physics behind what we do but in an exciting and engaging way hopefully for kids and stuff that's another important part of what we do there's a book coming out as well penguin random house wrote a book um well they go it was ghost written, but I then I had to sort of pretty much rewrite the whole thing because it wasn't really my voice. So that was a point. Yeah. But anyway, that was about a year ago. That was due to launch last Easter, but COVID again paused that. So that's yeah. coming out. I think I've got to do the uh, audio book narration of that at some point, which is going to be it's going to be tricky. But anyway, <laughs> uh, lots of things to be honest going on. Um, yeah, it's never boring. We we've got loads of other brands working with us as well. So yeah, lots of stuff. Do you see
0: yourself? This is you forever. Do you ever see you kind of stepping away or well, are you too hungry to go, nah, I love this too much. This is, this is me.
1: Um, yeah, I don't think I could sit back at a desk job anymore. Uh, I don't think I could do that. Uh, and stepping away from the oil industry in the last five years, looks like it's turned out to be not a bad move. <laughs> uh, yeah. if you're going to share price of various of the oil companies, yeah. um, and probably about time in some ways as well. I'm delighted to see the world trying to desperately move away from, you know, fossil fuels as far as possible. Um, I can see a model where I, I'm i good at taking something that's barely workable and finding ways to make it work, de-risking that prospect and showing, sort of shining a light on the business model that can be scaled. And at that point, I get bored. There's other people who can come in and then scale something. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, the electric tether system, we've got it working, we've got to refine it a bit, but once it's working, I'd be delighted to then franchise that out through you know, Merlin or any of the other, you know, we've worked with Bear Grylls as people as well. You know, um, I'm not good at then going and scaling something and doing frankly, all the boring stuff to get it into a big international scale thing. I'd be off working back in the R&D lab, probably here with my small team, uh, working on something that also looks equally impossible. I like that. So if I can keep spawning, you know, productionized known proven things, uh, like a search and rescue platform that can be rolled out. We've got so many people around the world asking for search and rescue capability now. Um, again, there are better people than me to kind of properly corporately scale that. I just want to uh, keep working on the sort of bleeding edges, that horrible phrase is, uh, of the new stuff. Yeah, I think that, Do that's you know what a, that, I love yeah. about this? It's
0: you, You're going to inspire the next generation of, of children and, and people coming up to then go and, to have a go at invent something, creating something and, and putting together their dream. Because if you look at the TV, they're, um, I don't know, to, um, like the Back to the Future style doc of their man, <laughs> crazy old man. Like, yep. you're nothing like that. So people wouldn't expect, a, you know, a guy in his early 40s to be out there creating something very cool and making it cool. And I definitely think you're inspiring the next generation of, inventors and creators to, to make something happen, aren't you?
1: Well, hopefully, yeah. I, I, I suppose we've been a bit lucky in the sense that, that, you know, our little realm here is not locked away in cyberspace. Most, most of the new, new leaps in technology are happening, yeah. you know, in the, in the software world and, in, you know, in, in silicon chips that get smaller and smaller and stuff. And that's quite hard to engage people with. You know, you need a PhD and a long weekend to, to read a paper to really get excited, uh, whereas land in a school and look like Iron Man, you know, shut down and immediately have the kids scout, you know, run around <laughs> you and then ask loads of questions. It's quite hard to beat that. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just delighted to have chalked one up to, the, uh, to in the, in the, in the arena of a very tangible little step for mankind in a way, you know, the, the, the most baby of Wright brothers type little nudges. Because yeah. a lot of people, I think, kind of feel like everything's been invented already. And, you know, what do I yeah. know unless I've got a billion dollars? But, you know, James Dyson built, you know, his, his cyclone vacuum cleaner concepts, you know, in his in his back garden, pretty much. Um, you know, it's still possible. Um, and, and I think what I do like to think that people can derive from our journey, you know, is, is maybe some uh, take some confidence from from, you know, what I'm about to say in terms of a development ethos. And that's one of recognizing that entrepreneurialism and innovation is about risk. It's about taking a risk. And big corporates are rubbish at this. You know, in school and university, we're told to run away from this because getting something wrong is bad. And yet you can't progress if you don't walk down that pathway that's marked unknown and risky. The critical lesson, whether you're running a trading book or building a business or developing a jet suit, is you've got to analyze what is the worst that can happen if that risk manifests. If you're putting on a trade and trading book, you don't take an almighty punt that can sink the entire company if it goes wrong. You don't do that. You take small calculated ones where, you know, on balance, if you've got your facts right, you'll win more often than you'll lose or you'll win more than you'll lose in the same way. We are relentlessly experimenting with things. Um, And we try and make sure as far as possible that we're not burning our way through too many resources on the failures. We're not risking our reputation by doing anything, anything stupid and most critically from a safety point of view, we are never taking a risk that is irrecoverable. Again, you know, One day I might break my leg doing something that I got slightly wrong, maybe. But, you know, in four years and a lot of crashes, everything still works. Um, I've still got all the same numbers of fingers and toes and limb Mm. mobility. Um, So I think that's an important lesson for, you know, young people. And and, and there are a lot of young people out there setting up new businesses, usually apps and mobile, you know, technology things and stuff, but the same rules apply. Be bold, be aggressive and inventive, but just make sure you can recover from every stage you take. And if you can't, just know you're taking a bit of a gamble. Um, And I think that's a useful set of rules, really.
0: Great. That. Two more questions, um, just to keep it short, is what are you doing now that your future self will thank you for?
1: Um, That's a good question. Oh, I like that one. I have done several hundred interviews over the last few years, and it's always fun when I get a new question. um (laughs) um, that's interesting i think the boring answer would be to probably just notice the risk point again that creeps up with things like doing our speed record you know 85 miles an hour a few meters above the water we planned for knocking myself out if it went wrong and i'd still be fine and floating the right way up and stuff you know but you're starting to make it not so fun if that happens um Uh, I I think there's you know just keeping a lid on the risk as far as possible not getting carried away but also I think that point you asked me about earlier about trying to sit back and enjoy things a bit more when I look back at some of the some of the journey even just you know getting my green beret and getting my oil training job and you know and the money I did there I, I could probably have paused a bit and enjoyed it a bit more so I'm noticing I'm trying to do that now and I hope that looking back at myself in a few years time I hope I and doing that in the right way. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I'm going to ask you one more question, just because I'm interested in in the the people you pick. If you could spend the day with three people, alive or dead, bring them back. Who would you spend the day with, and why?
1: Oh, that's a good one. This the, we were discussing this. My boys and my wife and I we were. Uh, this all sounds very philosophical. Like we have very sensible conversations at dinner. <laughs> we do. <don't>. We have <laughs> the same
0: things with my kids. But but
1: but, uh, but actually, I, I'm I'm ta- I, I'm. I'm taking an increasing fascination with Leonardo da Vinci and I think Newton, and I think Frank Whittle as three people. Um, Only because I think a little bit like my father, and he should be in the (laughs) list really, um, uh, (laughs) um, only because like my father, all three of them, I think would have been beside themselves with delight in seeing where da Vinci's idea of human flight has got to, I mean, to be honest, he'd probably be excited and look at what we've done and then be more excited by the, you know, 747 or you know, A380 flying over yeah. our heads going, actually, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, uh, him and, and, you know, Newton with, with you know, w- when we're doing a lot of this kid stuff, um, you know, we use the jet suit as an example to d- demonstrate New- Newton's laws. And I think, you know, that would have been quite cool to have gone, oh, look, by the way, you know, <laughs> as a case in point, hovering in front of him. And then finally, Frank Whittle, you know this this mad idea of de- developing this thing called the jet engine of blowing hot air out the back of a constantly exploding exploding cylinder of of yeah. uh, fuel. I think he would probably crack a smile at what his invention had gone on to go and do. Yeah, uh, but again, that. probably be more interested by the A380 flying overhead quickly <laughs> after looking at the jet suit. Those those yeah. there would be a they'd be an interesting trio, wouldn't they?
0: They would. They wouldn't. I think that they would be proud of to see where these have gone and, and what you've developed. Well, I think this has been one of my favourite podcasts I've done. I'm fascinated. I think you've created something that will inspire a generation of, of coming through and, and kids. And do you think your kids will be going into the invention space? Are you pushing them down the
1: creative space? Are they in the workshop with you? No, they do their own thing in a way. Um, yeah, they, they do stuff in here sometimes. But actually, like most, most you know kids of of parents doing something unusual or high profile the last thing they want to do is follow their parents necessarily although my eldest is wants to fly and has got pretty far again that's on the instagram that's on my instagram richard m browning that one um uh and my youngest is a really good little builder i mean he's great at building and making things but actually i'm quite proud that they're doing their own stuff rather than trying to just sort of follow my coattails um i want them to carve out their own pathways and then if they if they loop back towards what i'm Doing then great, but I don't want them just kind of taking an easy pathway straight into what we're doing. Yeah, no, they're, they're their own minds, I think. Great, well, Richard, thanks very much. My pleasure.
0: Cheers now.